Welcome to Energy Radio, CEM's podcast, helping you manage your energy and giving you the power to make decisions about how you uh, handle your energy. This is our first episode, episode 001, and uh, we're very fortunate to have a great guest, somebody that I admire, somebody who gave me my start, the founder, the uh, visionary of CEM, Martin Lensink. Welcome, Martin. Thank you, Matt. How are you feeling? Good. Good, yeah, good. good. So this is episode 001, and I... Like a good cartoon comic book, episode 001 is always about the origin story. Oh. So I wanted to talk about the origin story of CEM. Uh, and that story is l- very closely tied to you. So um, I think it would be great if you could just kind of tell us your story uh, as it relates to Cogen, as r- how do we lead up to CEM, your apprenticeship, um, and then the impetus behind CEM. Just kind of, I'll, I'll jump in, but I'd love to hear your story. I've heard it many times. I love it. Uh, and I'd love for the listeners to kind of hear your story mm-hmm. about CEM and about your career leading up to it. Okay, so I what's relevant is that I'm an immigrant kid. So, and on my mother's side, there's entrepreneurship for generations. So I'm a 1980 grad of mechanical engineering and management at McMaster. Um, and after five years at Mac, I had a 21-year apprenticeship period. Um, Two years in oil hydraulics, five years with, pardon me, seven and a half years with Union Gas, uh, three and a half years with SNC Lavalin, five years with Tormont. And so after 21 years in the sector, in the energy uh, and cogen sector, cogen of course started here in Ontario in 1986 when it was first allowed. I uh, looked at cogen from four vantage points, mm-hmm. um, from the engineering perspective, from the equipment perspective, from the investor's perspective. Um, and pr- uh, so after a 21-year apprenticeship with four different firms, um, I was unceremoniously uh, released mm. from Tormont as part of a downsizing at the time. Um, and How did that make you feel? Um, it was, yeah, it was a uh, shock. It was, a devast- it was devastating for me. Uh, it, was m- more, it was more difficult for my family. Mm. Um, but... Thankfully, uh, in the first week after being let go, um, I was asked to do some work for a firm in the States. So uh, I had been told several times over that 21-year period that I should be a consulting engineer. Um, So yeah, after a three-month discerning period from January to March in 2001, with the help of a great transition consultant from a retired entrepreneurship professor from Wilfrid Laurier, um, I realized right away that um, I should be a consulting engineer because I cared very deeply about the welfare of our clients. So, um, yeah, it, w- it started in the first quarter of 2001 after a very lengthy apprenticeship period. Can we step through that apprenticeship period in a little bit more oh detail yeah, sure. in terms of you talked about Union Gas and, and just maybe walk through in a little bit more detail. I think sure. the, pro- the projects that you did, which are still running, are kind of milestone projects. So. Yeah, so from uh, 82, beginning of 82 to the end of 89, I was with Union Gas in Chatham. And in 1986, the Ontario government allowed parallel generation uh, for the first time when companies could make electricity in parallel with Ontario Hydro, as, as it was then called. Shortly, so, uh, shortly after that, we started the H.J. Hines project in Leamington. Can I just go back to something there? Yes. I, I hope this is okay that I interrupt yeah, you a couple sure. times. Um, so, because we live in a world now where we bemoan connecting to Hydro One, mm-hmm. but there was a time when but we bemoan how hard it is, but mm-hmm. we live with this assumption that we probably will get connected. Are you saying that there was a time when 
we, you never could? Yes, before 1986, you could not operate in parallel. It was not allowed. Only Ontario Hydro could make electricity. And there was two plants in Sarnia that were co-generating, but they were doing it as islands. Really? So Dow Chemical. Really? Yeah. Dow Chemical was making, they had two uh, GE Frame 7 turbines uh, and an ABB machine. So there was two big customers, uh, Polysar with a big mammoth steam turbine generator, but they were making power in a true cogen mode, but islanded yeah. from, yeah. Wow. Completely islanded. Fascinating. Yeah. True cool. story. <laughs> I'd never heard that part of the story before. Uh, okay, so, so, yeah, it, so what happened was um, I was asked in 1986, was I going to become a specialist or a generalist by the HR department at Union Gas? And I chose uh, the, the specialist track. And um, so quickly with the H.J. Hines project in Leamington, I fell in love with gas turbine cogen, fell in love with cogen, period. Um, so I like to say that I fell in love with my wife in 1978. And I fell in love with Cogen in 1986 when it was first allowed here in Ontario. Cool. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but unfortunately what happened at that time was um, in the fall of 89, I had a horrible experience with a customer in Waterloo. I was supposed to be the Cogen expert. And I realized driving back to Chatham that I was not the Cogen expert that I was supposed to be. And that um, drawing on my European roots, I knew I had to serve an apprenticeship. Mm. So I sought out... Um, a mentor and I came to St. Catharines in January 1990 and actually did real engineering for three and a half years. (laughs) And who was that mentor? Hank Van Balaguyen, who later was the founder of um, Griffin Mm. International. Heard of them. So yes, I I worked under Hank for only one year, but it was great to uh, learn the engineering of CHP projects in those three and a half years. SNC Lavalin then, um, so we designed a couple of projects at that time. Not only did we finish H.J. Hines, uh, University of Windsor was during that time. Labatt's started during that time. Um, then SNC Lavalin closed the WP London Thermal Power Center of Excellence in wow. uh, 93. And uh, I was uh, asked to join Rolls-Royce US Turbine. So I sold gas turbines for five years from 93 to 98. We, d- we are also a turnkey arm of U.S. Turbine. So during that five years, we did the Sunoco Brantford project. Um, and I basically sold combustion turbine CHP projects across eastern Canada. Uh, then in 98, Toremont, who wanted to be selling not only gas turbines, but also internal combustion engines, approached me and said they needed a bona fide gas turbine expert on staff if they were to represent solar gas turbines. So I, uh, I was lured away from Rolls-Royce US Turbine with a very uh, generous package. And I worked with um, Tormont for three years. That was a great experience. Uh, we spent roughly 50 million of Tormont's retained earnings during those wow. uh, three years. We built five projects, one turbine project, four engine projects. It was a great, great experience in terms of um, looking at cogent from the investor's perspective. Okay. So, yeah, I'm very grateful that over that 21-year period, I had uh, the privilege and the opportunity to learn the sector from four distinct vantage points. Yeah, yeah. And I think I've been, that's really helped me. Uh, and as I'm listening to the story, I'm, I'm pulling out nuggets of how we operate today as a firm. I don't know if you guys are hearing this, but you're hearing you know, the, 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 the approach to engineering of a, CH, 
and the discipline of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being a major equipment, how important the major major equipment is to the system, and and mm-hmm. you know, and then um, you know the the EPC approach which we're doing now, and it, it's and the you know build and operate, you know, sell steam and power, like all these things mm-hmm. were f- you know that we kind of take for granted for what we do really have their birth in the early years of your career right mm-hmm. I, I i had a chance to see a lot uh to be exposed to a lot of different kinds of projects to a lot of different kinds of customers different execution styles so yeah i, I had a very great preparation for starting a business um, it, it's something i think about a lot like we don't for our team mm-hmm. who have grown up here myself included that's a, I don't know how we get that type of upbringing, but it's mm-hmm. valuable. It has been extremely valuable, valuable for you. And how do we replicate that? It's, mm-hmm. I don't know. If I haven't figured it out yet. So. Well, I am looking forward to continuing to share what I've learned over yeah. that 21 year period and the last 17 years with present and future staff. And I, uh, I people may laugh at this forum, but this to me is part of that, right? Like it's, right. I, I see that this, this, ef- this exercise becomes mandatory listening for new employees. Uh, that's one of the derivative benefits. So in one you have the awkward kind of shaky paper story. Right. Uh, and then you get advice, and you right away you pick up a client, right? Mm-hmm. In, in the eastern seaboard, in, yes, in the New England states, we picked up a client. Um, it was a very happy set of circumstances. Um, my former employer had won a project in Massachusetts and then retracted their tender. Okay. And uh, the second place finisher on that job called me and said, um, oh shit, uh, we're now in the driver's seat, but I, c- I hear that you're available. Can you help us? So uh, that was not even a week had passed and I was already being asked wow. to do work. So I, I fell into it pretty. And it was a great project. It was uh, working with Americans who I feel totally comfortable working with. Um, on a project that was really fun to work on. So, uh, yeah, I w- I'm very grateful that it. Cool. there was not much of a gap there. It just kind of... So even this morning when I said we're finally doing work in the U.S., the reality is that's where we started. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's where we started. Yeah, our first job was in Massachusetts. So I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do more work in the States. So CEM, tell us a bit about the name. Oh, that's a great question. So originally when the retired entrepreneurship professor from Wilfrid Laurier encouraged me to start my own business because I cared more about the client than my employer. And I was being challenged to come up with a two-minute introduction of myself um, and to start a business. He coached me through that. I was going to call it MET Engineering, Mm. Managing Energy Through Technology. Um, I just decided that was a bit too uh, awkward, and my brother-in-law said that you know, a company with lots of letters in it. Mm. <laughs> so I thought I'd take the letters down from four to three. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the idea really was I didn't want to draw any attention to myself. I wanted to focus yeah. on the two things that I thought there would always be a need for in energy-intensive customers. There would be either a need for energy management at point of use in the factory or in the in the organization, or conversely, in the generation of energy. So then I decided to call it cogeneration and energy management engineering, focusing on the needs of energy intensive clients. 
And then my wife and I, uh, mostly my wife, came up with the uh, arrows mm. in the sea, which was to reduce the top arrow is reducing energy use, and the bottom arrow is increasing earnings. So we're trying to increase earnings by uh, reducing energy use and energy cost, thus the significance of the two arrows in the sea of CEM engineering. And I think one of the things that gets lost, I even forget sometimes um, until I go into the archive files, like one of the things that gets lost is we've done so much cogen lately, mm-hmm. but the early years, right. w- that wasn't the story. Right? That's right. Um, so we, we often forget that um, three things kind of gave rise to CHP um, around five, six years ago, roughly the Green Energy and Green Economy Act, fracking, which led to lower gas prices, and the Save on Energy program, which incentivized customers to do high efficiency behind the meter cogen. But in the first 10 years of CEM's existence, none of those market drivers were in place. So um, the first 10 years was a lot of energy management work, a lot of uh, feasibility studies, a lot of energy audits. And during those years, we used to call ourselves BTU chasers because we were just chasing BTUs. And so, you know, I... As time goes on, we need to focus very much on both. Um, right, right. Trying to bring stack temperatures down, looking for energy loss. Um, I always have this case study in my mind of this greenhouse in Denmark that purported to be 100% efficient because every BTU that went in was utilized somehow. And so for me, that's kind of like, yes, we can. We mm. can. Every, every BTU that goes into our customer, we're going to find a way to use it. So, um, now I don't know the answer. This is a question I honestly don't know the answer to. Um, in those early, probably first 10 years, you're doing mostly energy management. Um, and when we hear the story of the 20 year, 21 year apprenticeship, it's mostly cogen. Mm-hmm. Where in that story do you get the, the, the exposure to energy management as a service? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I, I think that. Explo- Maybe you just made it up. In the no, 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 so, no. It was. It came about because um, already at Union Gas, when I was part of industrial gas sales, uh, deregulation of natural gas started in '86, mm. around the same time that um, um, parallel generation was first allowed. Okay. So the idea of conserving natural gas was already sort of in the DNA of the gas companies at that time. Um, because I was a member of the um, Ontario CHP committee and the Canadian CHP mm-hmm. committee, we got exposed a lot to, to what Environment Canada and CanMet was doing with energy management in those years, already in the late 80s. Um, so yeah, wherever, whenever we went to customers, it wasn't just to talk cogen, it was to talk okay. about how can we improve the energy metric? Okay. Can, we, can we improve the metric unit energy use, unit energy cost, either at point of use or cogen. So that was already the Union Gas days. That yeah, was, that was already, yes, yeah. that was already in the mindset then. Um, and, you know, as professional engineers, it's incumbent on us um, to look for low-cost, um, cost-effective solutions, yeah. not just cogen. Right. And I think, I think the, uh, another thing that really happened there was in the early 90s, I was trying to develop a CHP project at my alma mater, hmm. and I think that was a very formative experience because the owner's engineer there kind of gave me shit for only talking about cogen, 
when what about let's re let's improve energy efficiency in every building on the McMaster campus first, uh -huh. and then after we've optimized energy use in every building, then we'll back into how big should the you know thermal generation and the chilled water generation and the power generation be. So yeah, I've I've had a lot of sort of formative experiences that led to the need to balance both energy management and cogen. Hmm. Cool. I never heard that before. Um, so we, we, we look at, you know, eight, 18 years of CEM. Uh, you know, stats would say that most small businesses don't survive like to year five. Mm -hmm. uh, to what do you attribute um, the success? Like how do you get from, uh, you know, consultant who says you should start your own business to 18 years, 45 people, three offices, 180 some odd megawatts of projects? That, I think the approach that I took there, I really learned at Union Gas, which was to identify, say, 10 or 20 energy-intensive customers, put them on one piece of paper, for whom energy might be, say, greater than 5% of cost of goods sold, and then just proactively go and call on all 20 of them and find out if they had energy problems or if, you know, there was... Uh, opportunities so it was really a matter of thinking about stacks in my mind I'm always thinking from Windsor to Cornwall to Thunder Bay I'm thinking like who's using a lot of energy so it was really uh, a very much of an order getter aggressive let's call on energy intensive customers and see if we can help them w identify and implement a solution I, I think you know to add to the answer I think my, m from my perspective the other thing was you know once they once that work those clients were in the house it was your commitment to doing what it took to make sure they that the job got done mm -hmm. you know you hear that now in the you know in the marketplace you know if martin's on the job or if his firm's on the job it, it's going to get done you know yeah because and i take the position that we are for that time we are on their payroll we're right. an extension of them we we are them and so in the same way that if we were on our, you know, if we really were on our client's payroll, we'd have to work whatever it took to get the job done for the boss. We take that same perspective. We're going to go to the wall to help them identify any challenge internally um, to help them both uh, get the project approved and get it implemented. Hmm. Yeah. So we, we talked a bit about you know episode zero zero one being the origin story, uh, drawing the analogies to a superhero. Um, all superheroes have good sidekicks. Uh, those early years, uh, uh, who were the early sidekicks in the, in the story? So that's a good question because I certainly know my own strengths and weaknesses, uh, what I have an affinity for, what turns my crank, um, knowing the shortcomings. Um, shortly after I started, um, a man came to me, Lance Turcott, who clearly had the skills that I didn't have. He came to you? He came to no me. No way. So, yeah. How did, how did he know you? Uh, so, um, <laughs> so, uh, this is good. I've never he, heard this story, he, but have you, do you know the story? He had right, worked, cool. he had worked for several engineering firms in Canada. Okay. Uh, he was very well known. Yes. Thermal power engineer in the same, you know, vintage as Hank Van Belleguin and then some, uh, and then he had gone to the States and worked for many years. Um, for healthcare cost reasons, okay. he came back to Ontario. Uh, he he was 
the whole healthcare cost issue in the sure. States was overwhelming. Yeah. And he went to many firms in Ontario hoping to get employed with one of them. And um, regrettably, they all turned him down. But several of them said, go and talk to Martin Lensing. Really? Yeah, wow. Story. Okay. So, um, yeah, I uh, realized right away that he filled in a lot of gaps yeah. for me. Uh, he had the affinity for things that were no longer of great interest to me. <laughs> I talk about Schedule 40 pipe and Schedule 80 pipe. Right. When, when it gets down to that decision, somebody like Lance should work on that, probably wow. not me. Okay. So, yeah, he, he approached me and he said, uh, you know, I want to keep working. I'd like to work in Niagara. Um, so, yeah, I took him on right away, and wow. he, was, he was a huge asset. He taught me a lot, Yeah. not only yeah. in terms of CHP and Cogen and... Uh, but he also taught me a lot in terms of um, the engineering method. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, what what is good engineering practice? What is best demonstrated practice? Uh, what is the engineering method? He was he was indispensable. Yeah, yeah. because we were a great team for mm. the first ten years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I'm I'm very grateful for. And I think if you look at what happens here on a day to day basis, and you look at some of those of us who've been here for five or ten years, I think all of us benefited tremendously from his. Uh, you know the engineering method, particularly. How can you go to a grid, a piece of grid paper, and walk through a problem from first principles? Like he was clinical about that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm. Cool. Cool. Was there anybody else who came alongside you in those early years um, to help you run the business or help you grow the business? Or oh uh, yeah, arguably the uh, the most important addition was my assistant of seventeen years, um, um, Natalie. Um, I knew right away when I started a business that I needed to get ready to be in front of a customer, to do a great job in front of the customer and do the action items that flowed out of the meeting, and I needed someone else to handle everything else because I wasn't going to be distracted by any of that stuff. So um, yes, we, we hired Natalie almost right from the very beginning out of Niagara College, uh, and she has just been indispensable in terms of helping me do what I want to do. I want to be very ready. I want to do a great job in the meeting and I want to do the action items right away and I don't want anything else to distract me. So yeah, Natalie was a huge part of that cool. uh, early cool. right on, and continues to be. So we have 18 years of um, growth. We have 45 people, three offices. Um, what's next for you? What's What, what does the um, future hold? What's the next kind of frontier that, that you're looking out ahead towards? Well, that's a good question. Um, so I would like to continue to be kind of like a strategic, um, a member of the strategic team, like in terms of planning, uh, like where's the market going, where are the trends in the market? Um, what does that look like in right now? Like, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but you know, we, we hear about, you know, Catherine McKenna goes to wherever they were, or we got Doug Ford doing his crazy stuff. Like, what's your, what's your read? Where, where is the market going for energy? Um, I think it's going towards greater flexibility so that customers can respond to market signals and political changes uh, and be ready for either. Um, I do see... You know, as a Canadian, uh, I do s I do uh, see a, a really an ongoing commitment to CO2 mitigation. I think that has to be part of the mi mix. I'm excited about the options there. Um, 
and I'm struggling really with you know the the fierce independence that I think some customers should have, where mm. they should be completely as a microgrid, as a smart grid, as an island. They should be uh, completely completely free of any external influence. Versus when you have an electrified, when you have a, a electricity grid that's say 100% renewable, and if there are times when that power is very inexpensive. Uh, you know, should we be going to more and more deployment of electricity behind the meter? Um, because after all, that's 100% green electricity. Right. You know, are we heading back to the time when, like Quebec Hydro had, where we have electric boilers, for example? Mm. So I, I see uh, a really exciting time, um, a gradual, gradual reduction in our fossil fuel use. Um, um, and trying to understand what you know, wh where are the customers going in terms of their um, uh, direction from from the board of directors level, and then being able to offer a variety of system solutions to right. to meet those goals. Sounds challenging. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> lots of fun. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited about the potential that Canada has for uh, biomass being part of the mix. You know, we are. Arguably cool. one of the top three to five countries in the world in terms of biomass resource. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm thankful that I can continue to be part of the visionary effort at CEM. Yeah, uh, 100%. And uh, for those who are listening to us, if you don't capture and pull out all those nuggets, there was like 10 different nuggets in there. That uh, That's exactly why I wanted to do this because that, that's that's. Key uh, as far as you know, you leading us into the next stage of where we're going as an extension of our clients. Right? Yeah, what I what I really love to do is be an agent of technology transfer, where we watch what the Europeans are doing because they're ten or fifteen years ahead of us, um, and facilitate bringing those thoughts to North to Canada and to North America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, being an agent of that. Cool technology transfer agent. Cool. Well, Martin, thank you. This has been fun. Uh, we're going to do this again. Uh, whether whether you like it or not, we're going to do this again because it was fun. I think uh, the content, the discussion we had for our team, um, for our clients to benefit from some of this, I think is tremendous. Um, you know, you have always been positioned as a, a thought leader in the space. Uh, you hear that all over the place. And so this medium is one way to get that thought leader as opposed to having to go one by one in front of customers. This is a way to broadcast that same thought leadership to the marketplace. So this is tremendous. I appreciate you going out of your comfort zone and doing this. Way out way of your comfort <laughs> <laughs> uh, This has been a lot of fun. I, am, I don't know what our next topic is, but uh, we both have clients that we need to serve today. So Indeed. Uh, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome, Sam. And uh, <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> uh, and uh, until next time, this has been Energy Radio, uh, helping you make the choices about how you manage your energy and your power. Take care.